You are listening to the MJ Sportscast. Recapping the latest games, getting you up to date on the latest sports news, and providing our exciting Bay Area picks. This is the MJ Sportscast with your hosts, Mike Tang and Jerry Yang. Welcome, everyone, to the MJ Sportscast, episode 18. This is Mike Tang with my co-host, Jerry Yang, here. And uh, we are actually... Yo, what's up, everyone? (laughs) Yeah, we're so super excited to have a prior guest um, from our show, um, Justin Wong from JustTheWest.com. How are you doing today, Justin? What's going on, everyone? We out here doing well. Thanks for having me on again. I I guess I I passed the eyeball test with the first go around. (laughs) Absolutely, absolutely. (laughs) You're almost yeah, so, uh, regular here now, it seems like, Justin. <laughs> you know, I need to return the favor, though, because I need to do my Super Bowl podcast in anticipation for, you know, uh, my podcast for Just the West. So I need to have you guys on soon because the offseason is right around the corner and there's plenty to talk about uh, for the Niners, too, yeah, for sure. <laughs> anytime, anytime, anytime. Just let us know. We'll be more than happy to be on. So, Yeah, yeah, for sure, man. <laughs> yeah, so we have the Super Bowl um, coming this week. Um, here. Um, also in the news, some top quarterbacks have been discussed as trade targets. And, uh, you know, maybe we wanted to get your opinion about a controversial play or two uh, that came during the playoff um, season here. So let's just get started um, with the top news of the week here. And this is Matt Stafford, Stafford being traded over to the Rams for Jared Goff. And um, Justin, I know you covered um, the NFC West quite extensively and you and you know um, the Rams and, and Goff's game um, pretty well here. And I just wanted to kind of get your thoughts about the trade here. What are your initial thoughts and uh, who won the trade overall? Yeah, sure. No, there was a lot to digest when it happened. I think it happened like right over the weekend heading into this week. And it, um, you know, there were rumors for Stafford being looked at the Niners, the Colts. Then out of nowhere, the Rams kind of emerged on, on Twitter saying that, hey, they might take a look at it. And on my previous pod for Just the West, I, I kind of talked about it too, just the, the potential of Matthew Stafford joining the NFC West, whether it was the Rams or the Niners. And I thought, no hell in way do the Rams have that capacity to put on a, such a trade to get Stafford because they already have such a horrible contract with Jared Goff. Um, they, they've used their first-round picks year in, year out. They haven't had a first-round pick since they actually drafted Jared Goff. So there's no way in hell they could – put a package together and then i see the news you know it is two first round picks in 22 and 23 a third round pick in 21 and speaking of the contract uh they got jared goff off the books so (laughs) i was speechless at first and the, the more i look at it too i mean at first for sticker value i didn't think that matthew stafford would command two first round picks to begin with um you know considering that he's you know, age 33 um, and all, all the things that are going for him in his career. I thought it would be maybe a first and a player, maybe a, a, a day two pick, but they got two first round picks. And when you look at it, it's kind of a, it's a balanced trade in the sense where they got that extra first round pick because they took in Jared Goff's contract. And, you know, just the context behind that is why would you take in a contract like Jared Goff, let alone, you know, uh, you know, someone of Jerry Goff's caliber, you might not get the best return. 
for that contract. And I know he's he's due, you know, about 27 mil annually, you know, moving forward. But then you also realize that the Lions' new general manager, Brad Holmes, he was from the Rams' front office, and he was part of the management that orchestrated the trade to trade up for Jared Goff when they drafted him all those years back. So you kind of see the value that the Lions put in Jared Goff, at least for the next couple of years. Um, they get the two first-round picks. Um, they can transition to whatever they want to make for their future signal caller, whether, whether it's Goff or anyone else. And then conversely, I mean, as of right now, I mean, the Rams, they, they were in the playoffs. Uh, they had a pretty shortcoming so, sort of exit with the way things went down against the Packers. So they feel that they're just a couple of players away or a signal caller away. And so it's no surprise looking at the press conference with Sean McVay and general manager Leslie just saying that, hey, Goff is our quarterback for now. And you kind of had a feeling that something was going to go awry and they were going to make an adjustment. I just I just didn't expect a trade like this, though. It's it's crazy. Yeah, I agree with you. It's nuts, man. Like, <laughs> I thought that was where because I, I don't think um, Cherikov's that bad, right? I think after even after this trade, I felt like it's incrementally sure Stanford has more. He's a play caller, like you said. But he's been prone. I know he hasn't missed any games, which is good, but you can tell he's not 100% healthy. So um, I, I just want to ask you, since we have you on the show and you follow NFC West really closely, why are the LA fans so down on Jared Goff? Like, even my friend who's a Rams fan, um, when we played them, he said, I'd rather have Nick Mullins. Nick Mullins looked pretty good <laughs> when they lost, right? Um, I just don't understand. I thought he was a pretty good player overall. I know he turns the ball over playing against us, but why do you think they're so down on them? Okay, whether it's the Rams fan base, the Niners fan base, the Seahawks, the Cardinals, you got to remember too, because I, I cover all four. Each local fan base is like their own worst. It's like tough love, you know, within the family. So like for for Niners, you, I'm sure you're quite aware. A lot of people don't feel so great about Jimmy Garoppolo as well, as much as he's taken them to the Super Bowl in the same capacity as Jared Goff, right? Um, yeah, I, I think that for Jared Goff specifically, mm -hmm. you know, a couple seasons back, people forget that, yeah, he, he led a pretty high-scoring offense to the Super Bowl against the Patriots with Tom Brady, which is we can talk about in, in a bit, but brought him to the Super Bowl. They played very well, but you know, Jared Goff, ever since then, his play has been inconsistent to say the least. I, I feel that at, at least he, whether he gets pressured, you know, in the pocket, uh, his mobility, but it seems like he's been. Maybe, maybe it's a mental thing. I, I don't know, but it seems like he's been a little bit more gun shy for for the long ball. He's been uh, not utilizing the the Sean McVay offense maybe the way that they had hoped. And so the theory behind you know the acquisition of Matthew Stafford is Stafford can make all the throws. He can do the deep ball certainly. Um, he's zero and three in the playoffs. He's never won the big game for the Lions. So you look at it as, you know, does he have that clutch factor? But, you know, the Lions, for their organization, they haven't been that great themselves. They haven't had a running game. They haven't had a lot of things on, on their teams year in, year out. So McVay is essentially banking on the tools that Stafford brings with his system. It will correlate together, and then they should finally, you know, 
be Super Bowl contenders by by theory. And it's you know it's it's a risky gamble because they haven't had first round picks in, in forever. But uh, Sean McVay went on record saying that hey, first round picks are great and all, but at the end of the day, it's the results that count. Yeah, and they have a high-powered uh, defense as well, right, with Aaron Jones. And so I, I can kind of see why they make that move. And their window is probably closing soon. Um, I just – it was, you know, Stafford giving up all those picks. Like, you would think with all those picks, it would try to get, like, Deshaun Watson instead, right? But it seems like that didn't happen. Um, and, yeah, uh, we'll see how it goes. And I know Stafford – um, did play with Calvin Johnson, so he had a pretty legitimate weapon at one point, but he still couldn't make it work. And like you said, 0-3 in the playoffs, that's pretty concerning. So, But I guess from Stafford's point of view, he's probably really happy because he's back with his friend now. His friend, um, yeah, Kershaw. Kershaw, exactly. yeah. <laughs> that's his buddy, right? So now I think he wanted the marquee building as well with being in LA and you know like Clayton Kershaw there and Dodgers so he wants to be alongside those guys I think and so I think there was some appeal for him as well yeah it's funny how it goes because Stafford reunites with Kershaw they you know they were they were raised together in the Texas area that's where they're from originally so that's that's really cool and then conversely like Jared Goff he goes from Sunny California, Cal Berkeley to the LA Rams, and now they shift his ass to Detroit. So it's just would you uh, would you be <laughs> interested in golf when golf eventually if he gets released? You know, I think there was the outlaws in twenty twenty two. Do you think golf will be a good fit for the Niners? Ooh, interesting question. So uh, from what I looked at the contract, so the next two years under contract, he's annually making you know. 27 mil a year, you know, give and take. After the second year, there is a caveat on the contract where if they were to release him, there would be zero dead money. And so that's probably the goal that they're going to have. They're going to retain him for at least two years. Uh, I think a lot has to be, uh, there's a lot of moving pieces, you know, for, for one, you got to see what you got out of Jared Goff. Uh, and, and number two is like, when you look at the Niners too, they might have a commitment to another signal caller by then, whether it's Jimmy Garoppolo or, I don't know, Deshaun Watson or, or someone else in, in, in the draft. So we'll, we'll see. Justin, Deshaun uh, Watson is still out there in the market. And it's been well documented that, um, you know, he wants out um, here. What do you think this will impact the value of Deshaun Watson compared to uh, what we saw in the Stafford trade? It's kind of like real estate. It's all about comps. What have you done for me lately? What is the market for said position notably the quarterback position um you know i i think you know now that you have two first rounders for matthew stafford it definitely does set a precedent because there's not that many quarterback trades period of this magnitude like if you look at the history like you don't get these sort of trades they don't come that often let alone having an off season where you have I don't know, Deshaun Watson, Matthew Stafford, Matt Ryan. Like, there's there's a couple of names swirling this offseason. So definitely sets precedent. But at the same time, too, you know, you know, for Watson, you're at a point, too, where two sides, you know, Watson and his agents, and then you have the McNair family and, and the Texans, they're mm. on they're not on the same page. The Texans want to keep Watson, and Watson is threatening to sit out the entire season. And so it's a different sort of dynamic because it's conflicting, you know, like the Texans don't want to, to trade him. So 
if I'm the Rams, it, it might have been a smart move to have acquired Stafford anyways because you really don't know if the Texans are really going to trade him. Uh, they they might play stubborn. They might play, you know, who who holds the, the bigger end of the stick in regards to the contract that Watson just signed, by the way. Um, but if Watson were to get traded, I mean, I've heard some pretty pretty wonky trade proposals all over Bleacher Report and ESPN. Uh, there was, uh, shoot, I think Pro Football Focus had a proposal of like, for the Niners, for example, two first rounders and Nick Bosa for Deshaun Watson, which is crazy in my mind, but yeah, uh, <laughs> season chatter, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's, that is a crazy yeah. trade. I did see that one. I, I just kind of like rolled my eyes a little bit at that because I think Nick Bosa to me is untradeable, right? He's going to be a guy that's going to be the foundation of our defense. And we saw what happened. We didn't have him for a year, you know? Oh, so God, yeah. uh, uh, to me, I, I don't think we can touch him. So especially giving up picks with it, because if you if you do give up Nick Bosa, you will want to find someone in the draft to replace him, right? If you give up those picks, then you're going to get mediocre players to replace him. And that's the funny thing, too, because Watson wants out to compete for, you know, obviously a Super Bowl and be with a good organization. But when you take away good players like Nick Bosa, I mean, it, it makes it hard to, to compete, right? Yep, exactly, exactly. They wouldn't be the same team. And I think I, I think the appeal for the Niners really is our culture, right? The Niners locker room is probably one of the greatest locker rooms, I would say, unbiasedly say, throughout the NFL. And that's probably something that Watson will want to be a part of. But like you said, it's really, you take away all the pieces and it kind of changes the locker room dynamic as well. Yeah, so I mean, what is the asking price? What's the true asking price? That is something... I'm going to be intrigued on because in terms of like the platform of negotiations, like everyone knows that Watson doesn't want to be there. So it makes their negotiation a little bit, a little bit tougher versus like the Lions and Stafford saying like, Hey, yeah, we're on the same page. We're willing to move him. What's up? You know, it's a different dynamic. (laughs) Yeah. So with the acquisition of uh, Matthew Stafford um, over to the Rams here, it kind of pinpoints to the 49ers quarterback situation over here in the Bay. And, you know, when you put things in perspective, Jimmy Garoppolo, um, he beat the Texans without Deshaun Watson back in 2017. He beat Matt Stafford uh, with the Lions in 2018. And he beat Aaron Rodgers twice in 2019, including the playoffs. Are the Niners really that bad off with a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo here? Do you, I know you, you mentioned that each fan base is so damn critical of their own quarterback. But do you think the Niners will be able to be Super Bowl contenders with Jimmy Garoppolo on their center? Makes you wonder because out of the three seasons that the Niners have had Jimmy Garoppolo, they've only had him like actually healthy for one season, right? So, I mean, you know, 5-0 when, when they first acquired him, then they had a in the ACL and then the full offseason of the Super Bowl, then this past offseason. So... I mean, you've seen glimpses of what the Niners value, you know, his quick release, um, you know, his his ability in play action, um, really good carving the middle of the defense, but it's just been his long ball has been something that uh, le- remains to be seen. It's, it's very, you hardly see it. And then, you know, just his injury. The availability in itself is a talent, you know, and the numbers speak for themselves about the, but the lack of games he's, he's played. So obviously this past season, you know, it's an ankle injury. It's not, it's not an ACL. It's nothing that on paper should really hamper him moving forward. But 
it does make you wonder, and that's why I can see the frustration from Niner fans. But I guess circling back to that, when healthy, I've been a big fan of Jimmy Garoppolo, and I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> Do you think he's the worst QB in the NFC West, though, if you compare it now? I think it was kind of debatable with um, Jared Goff, but now with Stafford there, Stafford is better, right? Um, and if you look at Kyler and Russell out there, it's, it seems like Jimmy's tier two compared to those guys. Let's call a spade for what a spade is. When you look at the four teams, you have Russell Wilson, probably number one, Stafford two, Murray three, and yeah, Jimmy Garoppolo is number four. Uh, might speak to you know just the strength of the division. Uh, could also mm-hmm. speak to you know some of the things that go you know internally with each organization. But despite Garoppolo or Mullins or Bether, you know the Niners are always able to find a way to compete. Uh, you know, FYI, they did beat the Rams twice this season with all the injuries. They did beat them twice, so I'm, I'm just going to put it out there, too. That's true. That's true. And then what was interesting is I saw Adam Schefter had a prediction that Jimmy G would go to the Colts and Kirk Cousins would end up in the Niners. Um, would you be in favor of that move, or do you think it just leaves us the same situation as Jimmy G versus Kirk Cousins? Man, this has been a lingering... Love affair from afar for Kyle Shanahan because, you know, FYI, in 2017, when they had the chance, they had the number two overall pick. They had the chance to, to draft Deshaun Watson, ironically. They had the chance to draft Patrick Mahomes, ironically. But they passed on it entirely. They completely uh, passed on, you know, your due diligence in the quarterbacks, right? Uh, and we got Sullivan Thomas, right, in that, in that draft. <laughs> exactly. They got Solomon Thomas in that draft. And they had, they were okay with Brian Hoyer, whatever. But the reason why, at least from what I've been hearing, is because Shanahan was thinking down the road that eventually he could get his boy, Kirk Cousins. And then obviously, you know, different circumstances have happened. They traded for Jimmy Garoppolo. Things went well. They gave him an extension. The Vikings, they gave their boy Cousins like a four-year, $120 million deal as well. So it didn't work out. And so to circle back in the year 2021 – Certainly possible. I I wouldn't be a big fan of it just because I feel that, you know, in terms of draft capital or what you have to give up, is he that much of an upgrade over Jimmy Garoppolo? Like maybe that's up to Kyle Shanahan to make that call. But if they have to really trade like substantial draft capital, even like a day, day two, like round two pick, I I don't know. I, I would not be a fan of, but it just keeps on lingering. So it it does make you wonder. Yeah. Yeah, I think Kyle Shanahan drafted him originally, right? When he was a physical Redskins. I think that's where, I guess, the love affair started because at the time, I think they also had RG3. So Shanahan never really got a chance to to have be his guy, right? <laughs> yeah, and I've, I've heard these rumors too because like, Jimmy Garoppolo to the Colts because the Colts have no quarterback, by the way, right now. Um, Brissett is a free agent. Rivers retired, so they need a quarterback, period. I know that the Bears, with Jimmy Garoppolo being from like Eastern Illinois for his for his collegiate days, he would he would be kind of a hometown hero going back to the Midwest. That could be a fit, but um, it's got to make sense, obviously. Yep, I agree with you. I don't think Kirk Cousins is that much better than Jimmy G. To be honest with you, I think I would keep Jimmy G. He already knows the system, knows the players, natural leader in the locker room. So unless we're getting Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers or Deshaun, like. 
all the other quarterbacks out there in the market, like Carson Wentz or Kirk Cousins or Matt Ryan, it's like, no, they're not as good as JBG at this point, in my opinion. So Yeah, it's not always greener on the other side. And for fans, they, they always want to make a move, do an upgrade, play play it like it's Madden. And I get it. That's that's part of being a fan, just the, the what-ifs, especially for the offseason. Awesome. So I want to talk about um, some uh, controversial um, coaching moves here the past couple of weeks. Um, the first one, Justin, would be the Packers uh, deciding oh, yes. to kick a field goal um, down eight points with about two minutes left against uh, Brady's Tampa Bay team um, here. And um, also the Bills, they have been kicking field goals too, down uh, two or three possessions. Um, against the Chiefs. What are your thoughts on some of these analytic models out there favoring the field goal, especially in the Packers? Especially right, so on fourth go. down as well, right? I think these were all fourth down plays, so that's um, they went a bit more conservative than they should, So <laughs> I think. But yeah, we'll get curious to get your thoughts on that. Yeah, when it comes to the playoffs, when it comes to the postseason, I mean, you know, similar to baseball, or just any postseason for that matter, for any sport, but it's the little things that really decide the outcome of the game. And, you know, it was a, a very close game. It was an eight-point game. Uh, there were some very, well, there were some big-time mental errors by the Packers staff. That's why defensive coordinator Mike Pettin no longer is employed with the Packers. Uh, mm-hmm. May I remind you guys that right before halftime with, like, what, eight seconds left on the clock with no timeouts, they had a cover one defense, and then they allowed um, – they allowed a touchdown right before halftime, which is that was unforgivable. <laughs> yeah, it was Scotty Miller, right? Scotty Miller. Yeah. The touchdown. Yeah. Yeah, that was unforgivable. Um, kind of reminds me of the Jets Raiders game, too, where yeah, those defensive coordinators are no longer employed. And then you go fast forward to this, where the, you know, you have Aaron Rodgers, uh, your your franchise quarterback, and you decide to go for the field goal and put it on your defense, but um just like everyone else on social media, I was not for it. So I was conflicted by it just because, you know, the thought of having Tom Brady under center, like he, I, I, the Packers defense is good, but I believe I have more faith in Aaron Rodgers to, to make that conversion, to get that touchdown on fourth and goal and, and take it from there, ride or die with your quarterback. And so, you know, you saw the post game, interview with Aaron Rodgers and you can tell he was kind of somber. He had some, some of these cryptic messages and, you know, just writing on the wall, you know, you had the opportunity to trust in Aaron Rodgers. They decided not to last off season where they had an, an opportunity to, to upgrade the offense. They drafted a quarterback in Jordan love. Like, yeah, I don't know. When you look at the lines, uh, I can understand Aaron Rodgers frustration to say the least. And I, I was not a fan of them. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think um, the strength of that team is the offense, right? They have, like you said, Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, and Aaron Jones. So, And their weakness is secondary. I mean, Kevin King gave up that Scotty Miller touchdown. But like you said, they could have drafted a cornerback or a safety to kind of upgrade that position. But instead, they went for it. Um, Jordan Love instead. And I kind of feel bad for Kevin King because he's our Bay Area native here, right? He's from Oakland, California. <laughs> so, but I just felt like that game, Tom Brady does what Tom Brady does. He sees a weakness. And I think they just kept going after uh, receivers that Kevin King was covering and took advantage of that situation. Love, love Kevin King. He's, he's a local kid, but he had a horrible game. <laughs> 
<laughs> he had a horrible game. So, uh, conversely, when when you look at the Bills game and you know mentioning the whole field goal ordeal and the final stretches, I mean, from top to finish, from first quarter to fourth quarter, the Bills. The reason why they lost is you know you're going against a high powered offense like the Chiefs, but they were just so conservative that game. They were, I don't know what the the thought process was. I know they were trying to control the clock and, and all that, but they just, I don't know. Uh, when you're going against the Chiefs, you need to put your best plays out there. You need to be aggressive and from start to finish, it's not even that field goal that I'm critical of. I think it's the whole game. They were so conservative. And that was my problem with uh, what I saw for the Bills game against the Chiefs. Yeah, so let's uh, spring forward um, here. So we have the Super Bowl coming up uh, this Sunday. Um, are you looking forward to um, any storylines here? And what what do you think is Tom Brady's legacy? Right. Oh, my God. So... Typically, uh, when Tom Brady is in the Super Bowl, and I can't believe it, this is his 10th time in the Super Bowl. So I have seen him 10 times in the Super Bowl. Uh, So the first nine times I I root against him because, you know, as a Niner fan, I didn't want him to uh, take that record for, you know, most Super Bowls and greatest of all time against, you know, Joe Montana, Steve Young and all all that. But he's already surpassed that. So I've, I've come to terms with that. Uh, but this time around, you know, if he were to do this, I mean, unprecedented, like especially considering this is his first year out from the Bill Belichick system doing his own thing with the Bucks. I mean, this would be this would be astronomically of an achievement where you can pretty much put him hands down the goat of NFL football. So conversely, uh, the reason why I'm rooting for Tom Brady is because. Yeah, the Chiefs beat the Niners last 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 Super Bowl, and if if the Chiefs were to take the Super Bowl, they would have two Super Bowls back to back. Andy Reid, Mahomes, they would have the starts of their own respective dynasty. And do I want that to happen? No, I do not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think where does Tom Brady go from here if he doesn't? Right? Question because like, what does he? What else does he have to play for? I think this was like the last chip on his shoulder being. You know, under Belichick's shadow, and now he—if he wins it, then that that monkey off his back too. So it's, it'll be interesting to see the future. But I'm with you there. I mean, Tom Brady is a Bay Area guy as well, right? From San Mateo, he gave a shout out to San Mateo at the end of the last game um, as well. So it's that's uh, right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so definitely a guy I'm rooting for for sure. Yeah, and ironically too, I mean, Joe Montana was on the Chiefs. He made it to the AFC Championship. He never won it. So if Tom Brady were to take his new team and and win it at this stage, I mean he's forty three years old. If he were to win win the big one, it's just um, yeah. something that would it would be great. It would be great if you do it. So. <laughs> yeah, for me, I think the key to the game. I know we're really focused on Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes. I think the defense is actually what we should be looking at, right? <laughs> I mean, that Tampa defense actually looked really good, and the Chiefs defense was one of the best I saw last week. So it'll be interesting to see how they do without their left tackle, right, or Kansas City's left tackle. I think that guy's out um, with Achilles injury. We'll kind of see what the impact is there, but they, they were able to get to, uh, get to Rodgers four times and rush, so it's uh, quite impressive there on that side. Great point. So as much as people love to give, you know, all the credit to Tom Brady and what he's done to get up to this point, I mean, 
Let's not forget, I think it was like three consecutive drives where Tom Brady threw a pick against the Packers. Uh, it was oh. it was the defense that cleaned it up. They all, uh, out yeah, of those they only three, allowed six points, right? They only right. allowed six points out of three turnovers. I mean, that's amazing, right? Considering how, how some of the actually in the red zone. So yeah, you're telling me in the second half, if you were to throw three picks and you come out with the win, like it, it doesn't happen. So you got to give a lot of credit towards this Tampa Bay defense. And when you look at their front seven too. You have Shaq Barrett, JPP, Jason Pierre-Paul, the Dominic Kung Su, Vita Vea. Like, they don't need to blitz as much as as I'm sure they'd like, but Mahomes is really good when teams blitz on him. So if they can bring pressure without it, considering that their tackles, last time I checked, it's going to be, I think Mike Remmers is going to be the left tackle now. Andrew Wiley is going to be the right tackle. Like, you know, they're not supposed to be there, obviously. So... If if the Bucks can get to them without blitzing and put some pressure, like it's it should be a, a closer game. Yeah. You know, Chris Collinsworth mentioned that uh, Mahomes is in the discussion already for the greatest of all time. If he does win, would you categorize Mahomes as a top five quarterback of our um, of our lifetime here? <sighs> that's that's a tough one because to your point, he's so early on in his career. Uh, up to this point, he's already won a Super Bowl. He's won an MVP. Uh, I, it's uh, I, I think it's certainly in consideration. Okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll jump in. I'll jump in. I'll say no. <laughs> right. The the reason why I say no is because I I feel I think situation right when big ben's first year he won the super bowl everyone's really high on him thinking he's one of the best of all time big ben's great but would you consider him top five of all time probably not right mahomes maybe he'll get there right but maybe he just might have been hot in the beginning of his career and i think it'll be the same thing as tom brady where is it andy reed that's making it mahomes leading the team i think to really solidify himself as a top five quarterback we kind of need to know the answer to that question and see his longevity, right? I think longevity also plays into someone that's top five. So he might win two Super Bowls, but then retire the next year or the year after. That's an obvious question. But then if he wins another one and consistently wins again and his career is like a 10-plus year career, then yeah, I would consider it then. But he's already right tell Yeah, he's definitely on the right path, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think the, the, the key here is just staying healthy. Uh, we've seen a lot of quarterbacks, they come and go and, you know, they start off hot, but then, uh, you know, they have like a career altering injury and they, they can't put up the stats or they can't put up the wins as they uh, were projected um, towards. So I agree with you guys that it's way too early to tell um, here. Let's uh, maybe look down the line. Certainly like his game, though. He's, uh, you know, he's mobile enough, but he runs to throw. He's um you know his his game awareness he doesn't seem to get frustrated flustered by pressure he handles it in stride so i think that his his makeup definitely has him on the right path yeah we have to kind of see that i think last year we're playing something jackson and look at him this this season <laughs> you know so yeah. it changed change on the dime here so that's right that's right I want to um, shift our focus here on basketball. Uh, have you been uh, catching up 
with some of the um, the basketball goings and the yeah, Warriors. Yeah, of course. You out know, here, out here in the Bay Area, it's always a great timeout. You know, I know they've, they've been doing that whole you know <laughs> tribute to Oakland with the Oakland jerseys in San Francisco. It does have me feel some sort of way about it. But yeah, let's let's continue. Let's continue about Warriors basketball. Yeah. So you know, if you haven't heard yet, uh, you know James Wiseman. Um, he has a sprained wrist, and he's going to be out about seven to ten uh, days here. And most recently, Kavon Looney, um, the starting center uh, for the Warriors, he is also out with an injury. And if you haven't seen yet, um, they faced the Celtics last night and gave up like seven or eight offensive rebounds in the second half. Here, we're out rebounded fifty-one to thirty-six, and are currently the third worst rebounding team in the NBA. You know, the Warriors they haven't. They have to open up their Texas road trip. They're, they have two in Dallas, two in San Antonio. Um, they have uh, several centers that they have to face here. Uh, notably is uh, Porzingis um, out there in Dallas. And they also have to face LaMarcus Aldridge and also uh, Jacob Pottle over there in San Antonio. Do you think not having like a center like over 6'7 is going to be an issue? Yeah, a couple of that's going to that. You know, when you, when you look at this... It, is it possible that they compete? Yes, certainly. But I think that their shooting uh, needs to compensate for it. So if they're going to go small ball, you have to shoot well enough for defenses to respect your shooting and to space it out accordingly for small ball to work. And, you know, I, I know that Curry, he had like, what, seven threes last game. He had a tremendous game. They still lost to the Celtics, by the way. Um, you know, you need Ubre, who's been – well, he's been up and down, to say the least. You need Uber, you need Wiggins, you need these guys to be able to shoot from, from downtown and make it respectable. Uh, another thing, too, is like you know, kind of a – I want to call him out, but Michael Rappaport did it the other day. You know, for, for Draymond Green, you know, he has all this knowledge. He's, he's such a savvy veteran, that, but he needs to step up his game offensively as well to make it respectable. It's not going to be. It's not going to be easy for the Warriors. I think that. Um, I mean, they already lost Marquise Chris. He broke his leg. Looney. He always gets hurt. Now you have Wiseman. I mean, they should be able to compete. But will they be able to win these games? I mean, uh, I think they need to really get uh, a lot of their players to step up big time to, to make that happen. Yeah, I agree with you. I think the way they have to change their game now is they have to go small ball, right? It's going to be quick, fast shooting, fast breaks, and they can't rely on trying to get the rebounds because obviously the rebounds won't be there. They're going to be out-rebounded by those big centers. And um, I think in general, the team just needs to shoot better. I think this season there's a lot of open looks and there's a lot of clanks as well. <laughs> and I absolutely agree with you on the Draymond Green point. I mean, he's where... You know, the defense leaves him pretty open, and there's a reason why. They don't respect his game, or his offensive game at least. So he, you know, pull off for jumpers or make make a little bit of a threat out there so they wouldn't be just a boxing one on Curry. Um, but yeah, like you said, definitely a big impact. Losing Chris was already painful. Now we lose Wiseman and then Kevon Looney as well. It's, it's going to be rough times next few games. I think it's winnable. Like, we obviously, the Spurs are so young and coming, and we beat them last time, but it's not going to be as easy, right? So, well, I think these last few games will kind of define who the Warriors really are, um, and we probably have a new appreciation for James Wiseman. Yeah. I mean, this is why you pay the big bucks to Steve Kerr, right? So, I'll be intrigued to see what he schemes up and what to make of it for this upcoming stretch for the Warriors. 
Yeah, you know what's also concerning about Draymond Green is that he only has two blocks for the season um, here. And when he won Defensive Player of the Year a couple years back, he had over, I think, 105 blocks for that season um, total. So that's that stat alone is very alarming. Um, Another player that's kind of concerning, too, is Eric Pascal. Um, He started off pretty hot as a small ball center, but his, Mm -hmm. his production has declined drastically. Um, over the past six games here in which he's averaging less than three rebounds per game and he's scored five or fewer points in five of the past six games. So, um, you know, we're going to we're going to need Pascal to step up um, his production, especially. With, yeah, uh, I mean, that's the thing with these y- young too. players. You have, you know, Damon Lee, you have, like you mentioned before, uh, Pascal, Toscano Anderson, like they're really inconsistent because they're, they're they're just young. They're they just got into the league. They're still trying to figure out a rhythm to their game. Uh, but they, the opportunity is certainly there. They just got to put it together. Yeah, so you also mentioned uh, Kelly Oubre, um, too, and uh, noted that he's been very inconsistent, to say the least. Do you think this is just a one-year rental um, for him? And do you also see the Warriors starting a guy like Damian Lee well, Ubre brings a lot future. to the table as a two-way player. He's great defensively. He brings that sort of energy. He runs well on the fast break. I mean, that's why they got him to begin with. That's why their luxury tax is over $100 million yeah. because they want to compete to get Ubre, you know, on, on the payroll. But, yeah, he is – I think it's in his head. You know, I've seen year over year when he was on the Suns, the Wizards. Like, you know, he, he can certainly play well. Like, he, But they were for – well – for losing teams you know it, it's a much bigger difference when you're playing for a losing team and you can pad your stats but when you're competing and you have all these expectations i mean yeah i think that it is getting to his head it certainly was the case when they started the season i think that uber was kind of trying to oomph he's trying to will his way uh to please the fans and 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 his new team he's starting to settle now but yeah i think that if damian lee continues to shoot well and he certainly has had his moments, including a, a game winner earlier this season, that you might want to make that consideration and try to get that energy that Uber brings defensively off the bench. But uh, the question the question is, do, do they retain him next year? He's 25 years old. I'm sure he wants that paper. Probably not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think, I think fans are just very upset because – um, they see a guy like Damian Lee. He's kind of grew up within the organization here, paying his dues. And they, they think that uh, Damian Lee should get that starting nod um, over Kelly Oubre. Um, you know, Kelly Oubre, has, he, he has a lot of bad nights and he doesn't he doesn't make his teammates any better here. I think he has less than one assist a game. And every time he gets the ball, he's just looking for his own shot. So there's just a lot of yeah, uh, frustration. It- and uh, Tim Kalakami tweeted this out last night, right? The Warriors were minus 25 and plus minus for the 26 minutes when Kelly Oubre was on the floor. And they were plus 21 when Kelly Oubre is off the floor. So to your point, he's not making the Warriors better. <laughs> nope. And I've noticed that too, right? He's not passing the ball. He's just out for himself a lot of times. And I think it might be what Justin said. He was just trying to appeal to the new fan base and make making the fans uh, see him as a second splash brother or whatever. <laughs> but he's not making it, so he's not going to be splashing much. <laughs> yep, yep. Plenty of time, but, you know, uh, you've also heard some trade rumors with him too. I, I don't know. 
I don't know. Yeah, with the Pelicans, right? There was trade rumors with the Pelicans. Yeah, in my opinion, I think we ha- we should trade them or them up a first round pick for them. And as you guys know, for the NBA first round pick, I like the NFL where you know you whiff a lot more. But with a first round pick, there's going to be a lot of good good college players that will be coming up soon. So, um, so hopefully we can get some value out of Kelly Oubre, and then if needed, hopefully his game improves and maybe be trade bait in the future. So the part that I'm really looking forward to in this show, Justin, is your Super Bowl picks for this weekend here. Uh, Kansas City Chiefs are favored uh, by three points over and under 56.5. What is your take on this game, Justin? I'm hoping it's going to be a good game. I think that the way the matchups are, it should be a close game. I think the spread is right there, ranging between three and three and a half. Uh, Mm. As we mentioned earlier, the tackles for the Chiefs, they are are not playing. You have backups right now. And Mahomes, he he looked... Pretty damn healthy against the Bills, but he still has a foot injury. So there are things to concern on the Chiefs' end. I think that the Chiefs, for their roster, they're very top-heavy. They have some really good star-studded players on both sides of the football. Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, obviously. Defensively, you have Chris Jones. You have, uh, well, maybe not so much their linebackers, but Tyron Matthew. They have um, some really good star-studded players uh, that provide leadership that have been there. But then we, you look at the Bucks, and I think the Bucks, depth-wise, I think all around, they're more well-rounded. And you can look at, I don't know, you know, you can go back to JPP, Nadamikonsu, Shaq Barrett's on the pass rush. You can go back to their linebackers in Levante David, Devin White. You could even go back to their receivers, which is pretty damn good too, and, and Godwin and Evans. A, B, like, you know, they're a more well-rounded group. So I think it is going to be close because of that. Um, But at the end of the day, it really depends on, well, if the Chiefs can bring pressure to Tom Brady, you've seen that Tom Brady doesn't do well when there's pressure up the middle. So if that happens, that's probably going to be the deciding factor. And if the Bucs can get to Mahomes without blitzing, that's going to be important. So I think it's one of those things where it comes to the trenches. But at the end of the day, I'm thinking pretty close to the over-under. Give me, let's just say, 31-27. And I would like to give it to the Bucks because I just want them to win. So I'll just stick with that. It can go either way. It can be Chiefs or Bucks, but I'll go to 31-27 Bucks. Okay. Awesome, awesome. How about you, Jerry? Yeah, what are I agree with you. The, I think the, the question mark really is the front seven for the Chiefs as well as their offensive line. I know they have a lot of offensive weapons, so I'm scared of Tyreek Hill, scared of Kelsey, obviously, and their running back core is really good as well, right? So, But in the end of the day, I think the better defense wins, so I will go with Tampa Bay. I think um, Tampa Bay minus three, or plus three, rather. Tampa Bay plus three. And Tom Brady just knows how to win, right? He's a guy that's been there ten times, so he, I have faith in him leading the team. But, yeah, it will be a really good matchup. I think this is probably one of the best matchups that we could hope for for a Super Bowl, so happy to have it. And as far as over-under goes, I will think um you know i think both teams can produce offense but i think it's be more of a defensive battle i think tampa's defense and the chiefs defense will step it up 
and then we'll start getting more score um, than the first. So I'll I'll go with the under just just for fun. How about you, Mike? Yeah, you guys make some um, excellent points um, here, but I'm going to actually pick the Chiefs here, and the score would be 30 to 23, just because. Um, I'm just going to give the nod to Andy Reid and, and his staff for being able to scheme for the next two weeks um, here. And, uh, I, you know, just from the eye test, I found the Buccaneers' defense to be a bit inconsistent uh, to start the season um, here. They gave up quite a lot of points to, you know, some mediocre teams. And, you know, I'm not too sold on the Bucks. you know, completely stopping the KC offense. So I'm going to pick KC. You're, you're not off. Against I the mean, grain. the Chiefs, they're, they're that team. And I think the X factor for the Chiefs would be Tyreek Hill. I mean, speed kills. Killed the Niners last year. And, you know, the, the Bucks secondary, yeah. they're, they're good, but they're not great. I mean, you have Carlton Davis um, and whatever, I guess, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um you know, lastly, Justin, uh, we don't want to take up too much of your time talking about the NFC West once again. But um, real quick, who who's the most disappointing team? It's got to be the Cardinals. The NFC West got to be the Cardinals. Like hands down, it's the Cardinals. The Cardinals started the season like six and three. You know, if you were to, they started the season six and three. The end of the season eight and eight. If you were to tell me going into the season that they'd finish the season eight and eight, you'd feel pretty good. But considering how well they were in the first half to how they finished how they lost to the Niners, how they lost to, to some teams where they, sh- uh, I think they lost to the Lions. Um, they lost to some teams that they shouldn't have lost to. They had no business losing to in the second half. And guess what? They missed out on the playoffs. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. To yeah. me, I think Kenyon Drake was yeah. the biggest factor there, right? I think they expected more from him when they uh, picked him up. and But he just wasn't that guy. Right? It's be interesting to see what, what they do in the running back position. I think he's a free agent, right? Kenyon Drake. Um, this coming season, so we'll, we'll see if they move on from him. But I think without a run game and having um, Kyler Murray get a little bit banged up near the end of the season kind of affected their game. Yeah, and they had every opportunity to to seal the deal for the wild card. They had like the last four weeks of the season, they they had their chances, but they um, they missed. Yeah, and what's really disappointing is that they improved drastically on both sides of the ball here. Defensively, they only allowed uh, 360 points as opposed to last year, 442. Um, offensively, they scored 410 points last year, 361. And they gained the six most yards um, in the National Football League. Uh, but I think the most critical factor, like you mentioned, Justin, was their six and four record against sub 500 teams. If they just yeah, you're telling me the Bears games, made the playoffs over the Cardinals, in. like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. So, Justin, um, you've uh, last time we spoke to you, we, uh, you were kind of uh, playing basketball again, but that was limited, you know, due to uh, COVID nineteen. Have you been able to, uh, you know, get? Yeah, back no, great question. I mean, the weather's getting or... better now, and it was it was kind of stormy in the Bay Area uh, the last week, but you know. W- when given the opportunity, I like to go ahead and meet up with a couple of buddies, at least shoot around, play some horse, get, get some shooting sessions on to feel, you know, get the rhythm. But haven't played basketball like an actual game. I, I miss the game, but, you know, shooting practice will suffice for now. 
Are you still using your Peloton? Are you still using your Peloton now as your main source of fitness? <laughs> yeah, man. Like, you know, I love basketball because the reason why I love basketball so much is because I hate running like naturally, like treadmill or running outside the park. Like that doesn't do me in terms of like my stimulation to, to get a good workout. So I usually play basketball. And since I don't have that, I've been using a lot of Peloton lately. I like the competition. You know, I like the music and all that. And so... Yeah, I mean, 2020, 2021, uh, I'm now an indoor cyclist. So you just, you just got to <laughs> find ways to pivot. <laughs> nice, nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and if uh, one place that people can yeah, find Yeah, for you sure. So right similar now, to like you guys, you know, I'm readily available for my podcast, Just the West and NFC West podcasts, whether it's on Spotify or iTunes, Instagram at Just the West, Twitter at Just the West. And I have a blog. It's www.justthewest.com. I haven't been too active this past season. I've been more devoted towards the podcast segments, but probably for this offseason as we ramp up for offseason news and the NFL drafts, I'll have some more content your way. Yeah, I'm looking forward to your blog. I was reading, like, oh, he hasn't posted for a awesome. while, but uh, you know, I'm glad you're back. We'll get back to it. I will look forward to your uh, draft analysis and things like that. So, Yeah, no, the, the, the draft stuff is always fun. That's something that... For any fan base, you're just optimistic about the chances of improving your team. And I'll, I'll make sure to have some content your way for the draft. Yeah. <laughs> right on. Well, Justin, thanks, thanks again for coming on. Um, again, uh, you've always been an awesome guest. We always look forward to it. Um, All right, man. Well, we hey, do it again uh, appreciate you guys soon. for having me. Have a great NFL Super Bowl Sunday. Be safe. Get some good brews and some good meats and enjoy yourselves, okay? You too, man. Thanks a lot. Thanks for coming on. Of course. All right. All right. All right. Okay. All right. Take care, Justin. Well, that's episode 18 for today. That is the show. Thank you for listening to the MJ Sportscast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at the MJ Sportscast at Mike408 at MindOfJerry11. Tune in next week for another exciting episode.